travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody Wang Chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great! You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome back to Stuck in the 80s. It's your old pal, Spearsy. And Brad, still in L.A., if you can believe it. And today we resume our series on songs that made it all the way to number two on the chart, but no further. It's part two of our Close But No Cigar series for 1987. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Seriously, Steve, a baseball movie clip in December? <laughs> What's next? A wedding episode in January? Um, you know, never mind, never mind. I'll, I'll do my own little soft shoe song and dance here. Stuck in the 80s is now listener supported by Patreon. Enjoy monthly VIP happy hours, get access to original content, and generally message me and Spearsy with random thoughts at 2 in the morning by donating as little as $2 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Hey, everybody, we're back. Sorry we took a few weeks off, but I was busy uh, tying the knot, literally, and figuratively. It's true. <laughs> they actually did tie a knot around our hands right there by the uh, special altar of uh, animal sacrifice. Anyway. I, I was there, and I saw what they did. I saw it with my own two eyes. Yep, yep. Hey, guess who our special co-host is today? He was at the wedding, too. It's our <gasps> good friend, Chuck Coverly. Hey, fellas. How you doing? Oh. Can't complain. Can't complain at all, Mr. Coverly, sir. Can't complain at all. No, we're doing great. It, it was great seeing you a couple weeks ago. It's been a couple oh, weeks it was, now. It was, it was such an amazing thing. I know you're going to be doing the episode on the wedding, um, but you know, you're not going to toot your own horn. I, I just don't see Spearsy doing that, so I'll toot it for you. It was Everything was amazing. Food was incredible. Your bride just looked incredible. Everything was just amazing. The band that you guys had was incredible and it was just a great time and uh, you know thank you so much for including me in that uh we had a blast and we were so happy you were there some of the other 80s cruisers were there too it was it was kind of a little mini reunion in fact we had a uh reunion of 80s cruisers photo that i think was taken at one point if memory serves <laughs> yeah i was pretty deep into the buffalo trace by then so <laughs> when will we see those yeah when will we see those Stephen q oh, i don't know you know the, the wedding photographer hasn't gotten back with any proofs yet i don't know how long that process normally takes maybe it didn't actually happen maybe we dreamed the whole thing no we didn't dream the whole thing because i got a charlie horse at three in the morning uh after the the reception that i'm sure was caused by uh <laughs> by your getting down with your bad self steve spears <laughs> let, let me just say briefly steve spears to let you know what the mood was like that evening at midnight midnight 30 on the day of his wedding which festivities we had a call time of i want to say it was 12 30 maybe 1 p.m so 12 hours later he was dancing and smiling kids <laughs> dancing and smiling i even have the pictures as proof of that i don't know if anybody has uh i mean it was it was amazing it was a great day yeah we had a great time 
Well, we, we told the DJ and the band lots of 80s music, and they didn't disappoint. I, I was a little surprised they went a little deep in the catalog and started playing Meatloaf, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. It didn't, doesn't seem to appear on too many wedding uh, playlists, but God bless them. Well, Melissa needed to know right now. Do you love her? <laughs> Will you love her forever? Ah, touche. Anyway, it has been, I think, nearly half a year. I can't, I can't even remember when we did the first part of this. It's so <laughs> half, embarrassing. Half a year since we last covered the, the number two hits of 1987, and Chuck was there. I believe it was July or August, and we had a great time. We're at that part of the 80s now where every year has at least 10 songs that made it to number two and no further according to, to the list that Chuck gave us was it a couple of years ago now, right? According Maybe? to truth. That's right. Is, you know, I mean, Chuck has documented it, but this is fact stuff. This is <laughs> yeah. not like Chuck's, you know, fever dream imagination of the charts. Yes. You can look it up. This is, it's a difference between science and theory. <laughs> so if you see my hand gestures right now, you'd be really impressed by the point I'm making. Anyway, we covered the first half six months ago. We figured let's jump back into podcasting for the first time in what seems like a long time this feels like the first time (laughs) the very first time there's five songs that we'll do today five songs that made to number two but no further we'll talk about those songs and we'll talk about the songs that kept them out of the number one spot sound good everyone yes yes i'm down nodding does not work on an audio podcast okay who's got the first one i'm up put me in coach brad what's your song here we go. I'm going to kick this one off with a Stone Cold classic from Jody Watley. It's looking for a new love. I defy you not to tap your toes and snap your fingers along to this song. Oh, it's so catchy. Mm. Mm. Love it. This, unsurprisingly, spent a little time at number two. Spent four weeks at number two in May of 1987. It's a glorious month, Steve. I turned 20 that month. But it also spent 14 weeks in the top 40. So that's a pretty good run. Sure. This is the lead single from her self-titled debut album. You might remember her from other acts, Steve. Uh, she got her start at 14 as a, as a dancer on Soul Train and then was a founding member of Shalimar. Okay, Shalimar is where I yeah. knew her from. And I assumed she left Shalimar and went straight to, to solo work, but that's not what happened. She left Shalimar over, you know, why do bands break up? Pick a reason. It sounded like it was a money thing, but she spent two and a half years in England just kind of bopping around. She did a little work. She's on the Band-Aid record for one, really? one of the few Americans there. Before she came back to the U.S. where she signed with MCA and she dropped this song. This is kind of a classic girl wrong track for the decade. It has a great groove and her voice is just, it's so, mm. and she is not putting up with your crap. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the attitude she brings to this song. Wasn't she nominated for a Grammy? Yeah, she actually won the Best New Artist Grammy in 1988, which oh, no. is kind of a technicality because, like I said, she'd been a member of Shalimar. She had released a couple singles in the UK, but they weren't under Jody Watley. They were just under Jody. 
So apparently the name you put on there counts. So the, Gram she, the Grammy rules are so bizarre and weird. It's it, <sighs> so it's yeah. not even just because you'll see artists go solo, you know, after they've been in the group for so right. long and, and then go solo. But just the name can be different. I don't know. I don't really quite understand it, but the fact that she did release some singles in the UK but was still eligible doesn't make a lot of sense. It'd be like me. John Cougar Mellencamp and then John Cougar and then John Mellencamp and Mellencamp Cougar. Yeah. <laughs> and then John and then that guy that dated Meg Ryan. And, you know, it just keeps going. Well, well, let me ask you this, Brad. I mean, because I mean, normally the Best New Artist Grammy is a kiss of death for an artist. I'm just curious, who did she beat out? The nominees, the no other nominees are as follows. Breakfast Club, yeah. which like, <laughs> that band, I think they had one hit. No disrespect, Breakfast Club, more hits than <laughs> I've had, but okay, interesting. Swing Out Sister. Okay, that's interesting. Uh -huh. And then Terrence Trent D'Arby. We've discussed at some length on this podcast. Duh. And by we, I mean Jen with one N. And uh, <laughs> 80s cruise performers, cutting crew. Oh, oh, well. yeah, it's kind of a odd bunch. Yeah, Breakfast Club was definitely the just just happy to be nominated in that group. But I mean, I don't know. I've, I've never been nominated for a Grammy. I'd be pretty happy about it, I suppose. <laughs> we were nominated for a Best Podcast Award. I think it was like two years ago, and I remember I had to stay up till like two in the morning to find out if we won or not, only to find out we did not. Yeah. <laughs> Narrator voice: We did not win, and the time we spent on the acceptance speech video was wasted. Completely wasted, and then it was not... fun though. It was pretty cool. I think we shared it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was weird, and I, I just remember being really. I, I was. I for some stupid reason, I just thought we had a really, really good chance of winning, and. Uh, instead, some podcast that had won it five years in a row won it for a sixth year in a row. And yeah. had known that, we would have saved ourselves $25. And, and uh, I would have saved a quarter of my liver, which got ruined the rest of the evening. So All award yeah. shows are morally bankrupt there. I said it. Okay. <laughs> and, let's anyway, let's so get back to Jody Watley. Let's talk about the video real quick. You know, I've been waiting for that. This is set up to look like some kind of film noir alternating shots of Jody walking around in a very leggy dress, walking around this air quotes seedy neighborhood. I use air quotes because it's very clearly a soundstage with some you know, chain link fence and a derelict car sitting on it. Uh, <laughs> and the only other thing that I really remember from this is the hoop earrings she's wearing, which look like they're about eight inch hoops. I, I, they're profound. Wow. She, maybe and she borrowed them from Cirque du Soleil or something. I don't know. You never know. You never know. Anyway, I, I got to know. So I, I remember this song really well, but what, what could have possibly kept it out of the number one spot? Well, it takes two songs to keep Jody Wally down. And the first one by aforementioned 80s cruise performance group, I Just Died in Your Arms by Cutting Crew. This is also a debut single from their debut album. So you kind of love to see that debut versus debut head-to-head -head battle. Uh, it was number one for two weeks, and it was written by lead singer Nick Van Eed, who told Song Facts, Yes, I cannot lie. It's a song written about my girlfriend. We got back together for one night after a year apart, and I guess there were some fireworks, but all the time tinged with the feeling of, should I really be doing this? 
Hence the lyric, I should have walked away. Ouch. I know it sounds corny, but I woke that morning and wrote the basic lyrics within an hour and wrote and recorded the demo completely within three days. Isn't it great how crushed love is makes people so creative? It just, oh, we all got a lot to say when that happens. <laughs> yeah. I think it's anything that has to do with love. I was thinking about that this morning. Um, you know, there's a lot of love songs. Well, last night, it, sometimes when you tell uh, Alexa just to play music like she'll play a lot of stuff and then it kind of gets into a groove and it was all 80s like real schmaltzy love tunes yeah. kept playing and every time it would start i'm like okay you know just let it play and i always think about that heartbroken you know ripped out of your chest songs that it just makes the songwriters so creative at that moment but then some of them were just you know hey i love you and you're amazing and i'm gonna write this song about you yeah yeah, but I mean, you're... if you want to give somebody the easiest mixtape challenge ever, say, go go, give me a, a mixtape of songs about heartbreak. But, you but, should be able to put that together in about five minutes. But conversely, tell someone to go put together a mixtape about songs about being completely in love and watch them spend the next six months racking their brain for them. <laughs> well, I think the heartbreak maybe is more universal because people express their actual love for other people in different ways so i think you you give people that assignment and they're like well let me find the words that will say it the way i want it said well when things are going right you don't need to fix anything right mm, this is so deep Man. right How little so... did i know that cutting crew was going to bring us this rich <laughs> vein of conversational ore oh my we're God. trying to take it to the podcast next... gold we're taking it to the next level to get that podcast of the this year award or whatever oh. you're we, we got it in the bag. We got it in the bag. The first annual Stuck in the 80s Podcast Awards. We're going to sweep. You know, we should have been suspicious when the URL for the Podcast Awards was actually podcastawards.com. Mm, yeah. Anyway, enough sour grapes there. So are you curious about what the second song is? No, not really. I think I'm pretty well, good. Too bad. Here we go. Yeah, that's With or Without You by U2. Maybe you've heard this track? A thousand times. Chuck, are you familiar with this one? Yes, I remember seeing the video a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on this, this is the lead single from, again, perhaps you've heard of this album, mega gigantic smasher-rooney album, The Joshua Tree. It was number one for three weeks. And the thing that I, I had forgotten and I'm guessing that our listeners probably have forgotten too, this was really their breakthrough in the United States. I mean, I knew about the U2 because I'm super cool and I'm down with the music. <laughs> but they had had three songs in the charts prior to this song in the U.S. charts. Um, New Year's Day in 1983, which didn't crack the top 40. It peaked at 53. Okay, can we name the other two? Is that what you're going to ask? Go, is can it, you go ahead? I know is one, one of them. In, in the name of love. In the name of love, in 1984, it peaked at 33, and there's one other that did not crack the top 40. Sunday, bloody Sunday. No, sir. No, because I mean that really uh, only got famous once it was in the live at Red Rocks. Um, what other song? If you walk away, Steve. Walk away. Walk that away, one? Are you away. kidding me? I will follow in 1984 peaked at 81. Wow. That's just obscure. Wow. 
Isn't that crazy? I That blew my mind a little bit when I was doing the research for the show. Yes, folks. Occasionally we do research. You know what you should do? <laughs> save, save this one for 80s cruise trivia. And then why we do, people who actually listen to this show will get this one right. Ooh. Little insider trading. Yeah. Are there rules against that in international waters? I think not. <laughs> I know we have some Funko Pop, 80s, 80s theme Funko Pop. Punko Punko pops. Pops. Punko flops. <laughs> this is like a sobriety test. And I'm and I'm sober and I'm failing it. Um, that uh, <laughs> Dave Agiagas is supposedly mailing me a bunch. And, and so we're going to take him on the cruise and give him away his prizes. In addition to like the t-shirts and other weird stuff that we give away, like infl- inflatable swords and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. I'd forgotten about the inflatable sword. I still have I'm it. Sorry you reminded me. Just pump it, and it just gets all nice and long and hard. Oh, sweet Jesus. By the power of Grayskull. Anyway, you were saying? That's really all I have to say about <laughs> you two and with or without you. Maybe there is another song that got stuck at number two, Steve. There is. There is another song, and if I can figure out what it is, I'll talk about it. Oh, yes. In August of 1987, George Michael gave us this gem. Oh, love the George Michael. Yeah. Brad's a big Wham fan. Let me say that again without banging on my table. Mm. Let's be clear. Brad really likes Wham's first album. <laughs> and then Wham, Wham went to a place that I did not need to follow. Okay. And I walked away, walked away. Which well, one was the first one? Was that the Fantastic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one? Yeah. Does that have Wham rap on it? The song it that does you, indeed have Wham rap. You have some of the lyrics of that tattooed on your bicep, I think. Steve, give a Wham, give a Bam, but don't give a damn. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> as we, as I was trying to say, uh, <laughs> I want your sex is actually three different songs. It has three different parts. Anyway, uh, mm. the first one's called Rhythm One Lust, which is the version that we know as the single, which was also banned by the BBC, which didn't quite understand the nuance of the lyric. Uh, you know, nuances. The nuance of George Michael. Um, it was released uh, in the in in the U.S. first because it was part of a soundtrack. Can anyone name what movie this song appears on as a, in a soundtrack? Oh my gosh, no! I have no idea. Yes, in fact, I had just watched number one and number two of this movie uh, somewhat recently. It appears when uh, Beverly Hills Cop Part Two. Yep. When they go yeah. into the strip club, the dancer is dancing to that song, and uh, Taggart is introduced as uh, former president Gerald Ford. <laughs> That's a okay. I I had melded that scene in with the strip club scene in the first one. I thought right. he was introduced as Gerald Ford in that one. <laughs> That's so funny. Number, number two is not bad. Number oh, three, no, like we, we won't talk about. I, it doesn't exist. Yeah. No, I, I didn't bother watching that one. Right. And I hear that they're in for a number four, right? There's a number four possibly. They, uh, they've yeah. been talking about that forever. I mean, no no pun intended. I've been writing blog items about that for five years now. So, I, you know. But I think it's Harold Ramis, right, is going to be 
uh, not Howard Ramis. I was gonna, um, that's going to be a good <laughs> trick. Chuckles. That would be if they could. Pull I'd go that see one that. Off. No, John Landis, because there was a rift between the two of them for a little and while. Landis but... and uh, have they kissed and made up? I, I know think there's some maybe. bad blood there. Oh yeah, yeah. I got him that job, and he screwed me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I could regale you all with all the stories about what people think the song is about, what George Michael says it's about. Um, about the, the weird video that featured his girlfriend at the time, who was actually more of a beard. But I think I will fast forward through all that. You can find it on the internet and say, did you know that this song actually won the Razzie Award for worst original song in 1987? Razzies, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Go home, Razzies, you're drunk. Here's who it beat out. Now, this, this is crazy because any one of these other songs deserves to, to, to have won the award. It beat out El Coco Loco, from uh, from the Who's That Girl soundtrack. Let's go to Heaven in My Car by Brian Wilson for Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. Is that the Brian Wilson? It is the Brian Wilson. Million Dollar Mystery from the movie Million Dollar Mystery, which I do not remember, and that's just fine with me. Mm-hmm. And the Peace de Resistance, it beat out You Can Be a Garbage Pail Kid from the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Okay, How do you he, lump that song in with those? I don't. Yeah. How does it's that a, happen? Well, you know uh, why you do that? So that 16 years later, 30 years later, some, some podcaster will, can fake a bunch of rage over, this, over the news. <laughs> oh, I'm manufacturing some outrage right now in the garage, <laughs> alongside the meth that I usually make on Sundays. Yeah. Anyway, I've waited 16 years to work this into a podcast. Who here has seen the TV show Eli Stone? Have not seen it. My hand is lowered. Okay. In 2008 and 2009, Eli Stone was a legal comedy slash drama that ran on ABC. It was on for two seasons. It starred Johnny Lee Miller. Anyone remember a mid-90s movie that he was in that maybe as 80s people we would have remembered? Yes. Absolutely. All right, all right, all right. I was thinking more along the lines of hackers, but okay, I'll take that. Yeah, that's that was what. Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that with Angelina Jolie? Yes, yes. I I might have watched both of those movies in the same night and got them conflated. (laughs) It's that's completely possible. (laughs) Anyway, so Eli Stone, played by Johnny Lee Miller, is a lawyer who has who starts getting visions of George Michael performances in his head. We don't know why. Possibly a brain tumor. But each episode of the TV show it's was not named, a tumor. It's not a tumor. It was named after a George Michael song. And the singer himself appears in many of the episodes as those hallucinations. But finally, as the season one wraps up, George Michael appears as himself to uh, help defend a girl who played I Want Your Sex at an abstinence rally. And here's the clip. What can I do for you, Mr. Michael? Call me George. Um, well, I want you to take a case for me. I found this in the Times. It's about a young girl who was thrown out of her high school for playing one of my songs at uh, a school abstinence assembly. Of course, this was all over the news. What was the song again? Uh, I Want Your Sex. Sorry, you're not my type. (laughs) This is a joke. Anyway, uh, I want to hire you to help her get back in. Now, obviously, I'll cover all the legal fees, Mr. Stone. Call me Eli, and this is very generous of you. Obviously, I wouldn't, well... I couldn't say no to you, so... (laughs) If you don't mind me asking, Mm -hmm. why me? Why did you come to me? Well, you might think I'm the odd one now. But 
The other night I had a dream and um, in the dream I was completely lost when someone told me I needed to find a lawyer named Eli Stone. I loved this show when it was on. I watched season one religiously, and then season two, I, I, I think I, you know, moved on. But you, you lost still, your religion. Yeah, it's you can still get it. I think it's on DVD now or oh. Apple TV. For your old school folks that like your optical media, Ooh. I still, I still buy my share of DVDs. You need to have those for when the internet is down, like it was a couple weeks ago <laughs> when the internet went down and everybody <laughs> lost their minds and didn't know what to do. Amazon Web Services is offline. I cannot do my Christmas shopping. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll answer the question that you're all asking in your heads right now, other than why Steve was watching a show about George Michael. By the way, I loved George Michael once he went solo. And one of the biggest regrets I had was never seeing him perform live in concert. He, he came rolling through Tampa Bay, I think, during one of our Vegas weekends. And so I missed him. Oh, gosh. So. Hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, the song uh, that kept I Want Your Sex out of the number one spot, which just is amazing to me that a song that's so identified with the 80s never got to that spot. Uh, it's another gem by you, too. It's the song. The second single off Joshua Tree. Man, Joshua Tree keeping people down. I mean, I guess we all own this because we had to. It was like a law in the 80s, right? I have, yeah, I had it on vinyl. I have the CD and I have the, the 30th anniversary edition too. I don't think I ever owned it. I think because it, it was always on the radio. It was always on MTV. You're broken, Steve Spears. In so I don't many know why ways. you hate this album. I don't, I don't hate it. Why. I just You hate it. I just didn't need it. to buy it. They were giving it away for free. <laughs> You have declared your love for U2, and you would have been happy if U2 had died in a fiery plane crash the second the unforgettable oh fire God. was released. This, you, you, you got so dark. Why? I'm just, proje- I'm just projecting this, you know, because this is the vibe I get from you. That you, did you, that did you, you would have been happier. You would have been happier if U2 had quit recording music after the unforgettable fire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Guilty as charged. <laughs> I do know you a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> okay, guilty as charged. Anyway, um... sorry, Chuck. What were you saying about the album before I told Steve, you know, his deepest darkest fears? It was one of the ones, the CDs that I got. You know, that probably <gasps> Columbia is still hounding me for. Oh, like you but had yeah, sent was, to your neighbor, you know, your first neighbor's year in college. Room. Yeah, or probably my box two eleven up at Fairleigh Dickinson University Student Union Building, and I was two twelve, something as like that. Do. Sure. That's smart. <laughs> anyway, do you know this wasn't actually supposed to be the, uh, the second single off the album? Red Hill Mining Town was supposed to be. Ooh. But uh, Bono was unable to sing the song during the uh, pre-tour rehearsals, and they weren't happy with the music video. So, really? Um, Interesting. So still have a found I'm looking for. Gets the, uh, huh. gets the nod. Anyway, that's all I want to say about you two. Who's up next? Oh, Chuck, you're finally up. Give us your song. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, guys. So the next song is uh, Prince, uh, You Got the Look. Oh, you beat 
And this song, of course, was written and produced as pretty much all Prince songs are by Prince. But this was for the 1987 album Sign of the Times, which was his ninth studio album. And it was the very first one released after disbanding the revolution. Peaked at number six on the Billboard 200 album chart. The interesting thing is following his death in 2016, it actually re-entered the Billboard 200 at number 20. So death definitely uh, is a good thing for some artists. Helps move product. Just ask Van Gogh. (laughs) Right, exactly. In 2017, the album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame, which was kind of cool. Sheena Easton sang on the album with Prince, but she was not credited on the album as having contributed which was interesting. And this was right before uh, she appeared on Mammy Vice as Sonny Crockett's love interest, Caitlin Davies. Prince sang many of the lines in his pitch-shifted Camille voice, although the song was never intended to be released as part of that album. Did you guys know that he was intending to release this album under a pseudonym of Camille? I didn't know it, but it doesn't necessarily surprise me. No, I mean, he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff back then. He was doing this whole album with that sped up uh, alter ego voice. Hmm. And it seems that the Warner Brothers at the time was very hesitant to release an album without his name attached to it. So it was scrapped. But he took a lot of those songs and put them in other projects. Hmm. So he was supposed to release or he wanted to release a three record album called Crystal Ball. Warner Brothers forced him to trim it down into a double album, which became Sign of the Times. I'm starting to see some of the animosity that was building up between the label and the artist yeah, at this right. point. Which would lead to his becoming a symbol and you know going to re-record every single one of his songs so that he had complete control over those. Which never really happened, but I thought that would be kind of cool to have the alternate, you know, Purple Rain album and you know, all those other Yeah. Uh, that would be interesting to see. Interesting. I, I mean he was so prolific. You know there was a lot of other material. Exactly. And of course, Prince and Sheena Easton were rumored to have had a relationship during that time, but they had worked together previously and he wrote her hit Sugar Walls, but he did it under the pen name Alexander Nevermind. <laughs> and of course, they uh, also reportedly worked on, uh, under the covers as well. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. So, so. What, uh, what kept us out of the top spot then? The song that kept it out of the number one spot was this dance floor filler by Lisa Lisa and Cold Jam with Full Force. And of course, that was Lost in Emotion. And the song hit number one October 17th. It was the second single released from their 1987 album, uh, Spanish Fly, and followed the success of their hit Head to Toe, which hit number one back in June. Head to Toe was a number one song? Yeah, I have to admit, the reason why I wanted to do this song, well, I thought I had the 45. So I was like, oh, I can talk about getting the 45. I remember going to uh, a, a local store here and I went in specifically to, you know you go and you used to look through 45s sure. and I wanted to get that song and I, and I also ended up getting you can call me Al that must have been out around the same time or so so I grabbed that 45 when I just went to go look at my 45s it was the other song it was <laughs> actually had the head to toe on 45 it wasn't <laughs> fake news <Lost> emotion. <laughs> fake news 
Brad, you're up next. What song do you have that uh, reached number two and got no further? Oh, Steve, this one's going to just flip your burger. <laughs> you're going to be so happy with this. Here we go. I've got the moves, baby. You've got the motion. we got together, we'd be causing a commotion. I've got the moves, baby. You've got the motion. we got together, we'd be causing a commotion. That's causing a commotion by Madonna, Steve. Madonna. <laughs> I can't. I can't even raise my head to to respond. You know, I, I know where you are on Madonna, Steve, and I, I just want to make sure that everyone understands that listens to the show that you acknowledge that she's an important part of the '80s, just not your cup of tea. Yes, that's exactly the okay. okay so well good. stated. So, so haters, don't email Steve about Madonna. Email me about Madonna. <laughs> uh, so, causing a commotion. Back on track here. Causing a commotion was number two, which is why we're talking about it. For three weeks in October 1987, spent 11 weeks in the U.S. Top 40. Again, this is kind of like, you know, Prince in that era. How is it a Madonna single that didn't go all the way to the top of the charts, right? Uh, but here we are. I don't like to tell you, Steve, but this is catchy. It's a catchy track, and it fits right in with the kind of mid-80s dance track stuff she was doing. Uh, it was written by Madonna and Stephen Bray, one of her college boyfriends. She dated when she was a dance student at University of Michigan. He's known as a writer, but really most of the work he did was with Madonna. Uh, he wrote Into the Groove, True Blue, and Express Yourself, among others. Uh, the song, unsurprisingly, is inspired by Madonna's often tumultuous relationship, I think we can call it, with Sean Penn. That's putting it nicely, yeah. Yeah, I, that's, you know, there's... You know, this is what happens when you talk to consultants. We come up with ways to couch bad news and soft words so you'll still pay the invoice. But she felt like their marriage was failing because he was abusive and violent, and uh, it seems like she was onto something there. <laughs> but without dwelling too much on that, uh, this is the second single from the Who's That Girl soundtrack. Do you remember the movie Who's That Girl? No, nobody remembers this. I mean, you remember this movie for saying, I never, I'm glad I never saw that movie. Yeah. The movie, <laughs> to say the movie flopped is an insult to flops. It was bad and it fell flat on its face. Uh, Madonna is apparently not a comic actress. Maybe she wanted to be, but this plus Shanghai Surprise equals no thank you. Uh, Madonna won her second consecutive Golden Raspberry for her role as street smart Nikki Finn in Who's That Girl? And I think that the, listening public might have been a little confused by the fact that there is a who's that girl soundtrack with a bunch of songs that weren't by madonna a who's that girl movie and then madonna had a who's that girl tour which had almost nothing to do with those other two entities except for the fact that she was on her tour and was in the movie so there's a lot of moving pieces there it's kind of a, a failed attempt at synergy you know we all love the synergy it's a big thing these days my head hurts <laughs> I'm trying to chart that the the um the soundtrack the 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 movie and the tour. I'm trying I don't to... understand why they named the tour the same thing. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, well, to but... try to get people to go see the movie, no doubt, right? It's oh, promotion that's interesting. That. I think the movie was first. Uh, my research was obviously not uh, deep enough to answer your question. It's plenty deep. Uh, they wanted people to rent it at uh, Blockbuster. That could be. That could. Be. <laughs> uh, but let's talk that's about nice. the video. I like the this will be quick. Joke. This will be quick because it's a video for a song that was a single from a movie soundtrack. Yes, it's your standard movie soundtrack video. It's got a little animation of, of 
cute little Madonna as an animated character and tells you who it is in case you weren't sure if that person that looked like Madonna singing a Madonna song was Madonna or not. And it's got some concert footage that looks like it's from one of the Who's That Girl tour dates. So there you go. Interesting. Please tell me a very worthy and important song kept it out of the number one spot. You're going to hate this, Steve. It takes two songs to keep Madonna down. (sighs) The first one, fellow (laughs) 80s juggernaut, this baby from the king of pop, Michael Jackson. bad and when i say bad i mean good because the song is named bad but not you too bad michael jackson bad (laughs) like dad joke bad in other words um depends on if you're a dad or not i think you're a dad Uh, this spent two weeks at number one i am i'm a proud father this spent two weeks at number one it was the second single off of bad the album uh what was the first one I don't even think I can name another. It's a duet. That doesn't help. Um, I just can't stop loving you. And when I read that, I'm I don't remember that song at all. I remember it, but I I don't remember being off this album. I couldn't whistle it if my life depended on it. I I went back and listened to it. That was lovely. (laughs) When we bring the cat back to life. (laughs) The I went and listened to it because that's the kind of thing I do for you, gentle listeners. And uh, we got to the chorus. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I kind of remember this. But I was not a big Michael Jackson listener in 1987. I'd kind of moved on. The funny thing about the song is it was envisioned as a duet with Michael Jackson and Prince. And Michael Jackson tried to get Prince to sing it with him. And Prince was like, no. (laughs) Hard pass. In a later interview, he said, the first line of that song is, your butt is mine. Then I said, Who's going to sing that to who? Because you aren't singing that to me, and I sure ain't singing it to you. That's weird. I, I never knew that. That's that's some good scoop there. Right? And, yeah. and the, the video, I, I can't tell you anything you don't know. It is iconic, and every time I see it, I think about Weird Al and his perfect parody of it for his fat. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have he, you ever seen Weird Al in concert? I have. And did he come out in the fat suit and do that? I, think he did yeah he, i thought that was amazing we saw him right after he came out with white and nerdy like i guess it's just okay. that album and he came out in the fat suit and we just like the whole place lost their minds you know yeah. it was just incredible he's, like, he's such an entertainer he just announced yeah. a new tour yeah he's coming through orlando we're, we're debating it um we had him on the show it's one of those podcast interviews i always forget but we weird al is on our show at one point i think that's you know that's when you've made it right when yeah. <laughs> When he when Weird Al does your thing, yeah, you just had well, the world's most popular accordion player on. Where can you go from there? But down, we asked. I know, I know, we asked him some questions that just did not land well. Like like so many people whose forte is comedy, they're usually not that funny in an interview. Mm, yeah, every comedian I've interviewed is not funny in an interview. They're just they don't. They're like that's my shtick. I'm here to this answer is- your questions. <laughs> I know we've talked about this, maybe not on the podcast, but I know we've talked about the New York Times did a profile on him. Oh, it's fantastic. It's what, maybe a year or two ago? And it was amazing. So good. He just comes across as such a great guy. You teased us. There was another song. There's another one. This one, perhaps slightly less worthy to the title of Madonna Killer. 
But here we go, folks. It's a cover. Yeah, that's I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany. Hmm. Delightful. A delightful uh, little amuse-bouche from the sugary <laughs> section of the confectionery store. I, again, another guest on the podcast. She was also the host on the 80s cruise one year. That's right. Everybody loved her. I'm surprised that they don't bring her back year after year. But Maybe she just said, I, don't, I get seasick. Um, this is a cover of the Tommy James and the Shondells 1967 hit. And Tiffany recorded this when she was a teenager. I couldn't exactly figure out what year it was recorded, but it could have been anywhere from like 14 to 16. I, look, wherever you are on this track, you know it. Yeah, You may not love it, but it spent two weeks at number one. Two weeks. Uh, two it was originally, weeks. So Tiffany was originally signed to MCA Records by Steve Moir, and he left MCA right away. And so... You know the new the new guy didn't really give the old guy's stuff maybe as much attention. So her manager went to the special projects division MCA to get some promotional help, and voila, we have the mall tour. Ugh. Do you? I, I don't. I don't know if I remember if I asked her this, but I mean, I I kind of wonder if that's something that she holds up as a badge of honor or a, a badge of dishonor. I would hope that she would honor that because it put her on the map. Yeah. I mean, it helps her sell a million albums or whatever she sold. Right. So right. you're right. You're right. I'm just being, I'm, I'm, but, but who knows today. where she is meant. No, who knows what kind of space she's in. We're just telling her how she ought to feel. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> who the hell are we? <laughs> I, I follow her on social media and she, I mean, she's pretty active there. She's, I mean, she's touring almost nonstop these days. And she seems to spend all her vacation time down here in Florida, which makes me think that maybe she's got a bow down here. So mm. she lives in Tennessee, not too far from Rick Olson oh. of uh, Berlin. Huh? And we hmm. were going to stop in and visit her, but we decided probably wouldn't be a good thing to do. <laughs> Man, what a name dropper. Chuck C is. Holy <laughs> yeah. smoke. Oh, I could go in. Yeah, no, I don't want to drop. Oh, you know, I was, yeah, we, was we going to go stop by Tiffany's place. We, but we stayed with Rick Olson of Berlin, and uh, he was telling us uh, during the, the private concert that he gave us in his basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. I was with my wife, Morgan Fairchild, whom I've slept with. Young Morgan Fairchild. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so let's just talk quickly about the video. And one thing, if you need to turn the sound off, do it, but it's, you should watch it just for the mall footage, just the fleeting backgrounds of Hot Dog on a Stick and Contempo Casuals and all the mall uh, stores from the old Orange days. Julius. Yes, Orange Julius. Stick around for the rad mall footage and the giant inflatable Gumby. And call back to my first song, not just hoop earrings, but linked hoop earrings. Oh, nice. Linked hoop earrings. I, I can't even. I can't even. I just want to say, though, that we do actually still have Orange Julius here in Orlando. I mean, it's because you're old school. There's there's a mall here, Altamont Springs Mall, which is near where I live. And it is like it was dropped straight out of a Bill and Ted movie. I, mean, I have actually been to that mall. Yeah. Yeah. I When I when I worked with uh, Lucent Technologies, they had a training uh, facility in Altamont Springs. <laughs> I've been to that place. Yeah. Crazy. It's it's not the it's not the cleanest or nicest mall anymore. But if you're if you're craving um, like a, a pretzel hot dog and some orange Julius, I, you, mm. you can do no better. 
You can do better, though, with the final song on our list for this podcast. One last song from 1987. Ooh, thought we'd never get here. Hey, we got Seggies. <laughs> Don't blow it all here. Hold on for this little ditty from White Snake. Is this love? Is this love? Question mark. Yes, it is. Uh, released in the fall here in the U.S. It was um, White Snake's second biggest U.S. hit after anyone. Come on, this, uh, this is the other one. <laughs> it's here I go again. It has to be. That's here yeah, it's here I go again. Of course, on my so. own, <laughs> like a drifter. I wonder which song they close with. Oh wait, is it drifter? No, it's hobo, like a hobo. Yeah, that was the big hobo debate from a previous podcast hey i'm a hobo and that offends me i lost a lot of uh sleep over how much we should have talked about that so i just want everyone to know that oh, I so i'm glad i brought it back up again yes thank you because i'm already suffering like a historic bout of insomnia right now so between that and my delicious coney island slim jim <laughs> meat stick you know i don't know what'll do me in first so Whitesnake, the um, band that named themselves after something I'm sure has, that has nothing to do with <laughs> penis. Or Coney Island hot dogs. Yeah, I guess I opened the door. I did open the door to that, I suppose. So this power ballad was written by uh, David Coverdale and his guitarist, John Sykes. And it was rumored, not rumored, it's pretty much true, that they wrote this song with Tina Turner in mind. That it was, They wrote it for her. Oh. And someone at EMI had asked, and they came up with this song. And uh, when David Geffen heard it, he said, I just want you guys to play that on your own. So <laughs> nice try, guys. That would be a great hit for you. Yeah, it worked out. And so now you have two songs to choose from when you close every show. So they made a music video that everyone loves because it has Tawny Katane on it, who's no longer with us. R.I.P. Whenever I hear that somebody was going to write a song for somebody else, I, I really want to hear that song done by that other person then. Yeah. You know, like I think she, she could do a great job with that song. Well, same thing with um, waiting for a star to fall by boy oh, meets yeah. girl. By boy that meets was girl. written for Whitney Houston and they turned it down. And so, I, yeah, I really don't understand the songwriting business. The fact that like, Oh, I'm going to write this for you and then you hate it. So what do I do with it? Uh, just Make it someone else, I guess, or record yeah, myself. Yeah. Anyway, at this point in the podcast, you might be wondering why you turned it on in the first place, but you also ooh, ooh. might be wondering what song kept this out of the number one spot. And that would be another gem from George Michael. Because I gotta have faith. This has got to be probably his signature hit, right? From the 80s, more so than I, I Want Your Sex. I guess it would be nice. What? I don't get that. That's the lyric. He wants the to song. Body. Oh. <laughs> I guess it would be nice. Yeah. Anyway, this is one of the first digital recordings uh, that were ever done in the music business. George Michael put this song together piece by piece, sometimes word by word mm. into the microphone, which I'm sure as an editor would have been just delightful. Oh my gosh. I hope they were getting paid hourly on that <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. The other thing I, I, I want to know about the song before we get involved in something called the Seggies is... Uh, 
I think everybody, when they remember the video, they have that image of George Michael playing the guitar in their head, right? I mean, it's it's like it's uploaded to your hard drive. That yeah, George Michael like iconic moment. Yeah, George Michael doesn't know how to play the guitar. He's completely faking it. So he was totally like Robert Palmer girling it. Yes. Oh. Yeah, but with a cool leather jacket yeah. and some shades. Someone <laughs> asked him, "So why'd you do it?" And he said, "Americans." If you stick a guitar on, you've got a bigger penis. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, George, how well you know us. That's why I have a guitar right here by my desk. <laughs> you know what happens if we stick a guitar on, right? The Seggies. Hey, it's time for TV Party Tonight, a.k.a. What do we used to call this? I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Mystery TV, mystery TV theme song. Yeah, that's right. It was kind of tortured. This is way better. Yeah, I like this better a lot. Anyway, um, this is the segment where we play a snippet of a TV theme song from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for... I can't believe it's been like a month since I've said oh, this. say it, brother. Say <clears throat> it. <clears throat> Postal-friendly bottle opener. Oh, was it good for you, Chuck? <laughs> Instant panty remover. Release. I'm going to light a cigarette. <laughs> Pay attention. Here was our clip from episode 618. Yes, that's the theme to Bosom Buddies. When we first moved to New York, we had a great apartment that was dirt cheap. And we found out why it was so cheap. Our friend Amy said there was a great apartment in her building. Dirt cheap, but it's a hotel for women. Okay, we made one adjustment. Now these other ladies know us as Buffy and Hildegard. But they also know us as Kip and Henry, Buffy and Hildy's brothers. I am uh, crazy about the blonde. <laughs> this experience is going to make a great book. See, it's all perfectly normal. R.I.P. Peter Scolari. We'll miss you. Yeah. We chose this right after he passed away at age 66 from leukemia. So I know it seems like it was ages yeah, ago because it was ages ago. ago. Yeah, but it was just, well, it was a long time ago since we did this show. So uh, we fooled nobody. <laughs> a lot of people won, got, a lot of people got this one right. And Brad, it is your sad duty to read them all. I tried to foist this off on Chuck and he wasn't having it. No, <laughs> sir, he was not. So here we go, folks. This is going to be a roller coaster ride of names. Maybe your name is on it. Did you write in? If you did, it probably is. Here we go. Winners this week include Alexo, Mr. Alexo, Roboto, Cardoso, Solis from Tijuana, Mexico. His name takes up a whole line in my list, and I hate him for it. Michelle D., Joseph Perdue, Nate Chops Johnson, Todd in Minnesota, Kevin Serving Wench, Debbie H. from MV, Cincinnati Joe, Richard the Big Bunny, Bluefest from San Diego, John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Dan G., Gene from Hollister, the town, not the store. Jeff from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Jan stuck in Lawrence, Kansas with all the rest of those University of Kansas kids. Go Jayhawks. Christine in Dakar. Alan Titus. Ricky from Nashville. Kevin M. in Valrico. Stony Stitt. David Featherston down under. Brian Pond. Tom Corn in Austria. Mr. Whiskey. Carol Parrott. Christian in Duluth. Hangy Jeremy. Lido in Austin, Bart Kopp from West Des Moines, Iowa, Buffy and Holman, Brian with an E in Boulder, a.k.a. Captain Trips. Really, these names need to get longer, I think, guys. Scott from Perry, Georgia, Commander Bourbon in Maryland, 
Joe in Athens, Anastasia in Colorado, Jeremy, who shot JR Rodwan in St. Pete, Florida, Dave, Dave's not here, Patrick, Gypsy Juggler Thompson, Dallas in St. Joseph, Missouri, Chase in Ecuador, Allen B, Vale in Portland, Chuck, Moose, Whaley, Shan Nichols, Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit, Chris, Deep Cut Sampson, and Matt D in Oregon. Jeez. <sighs> I'm exhausted. I need to go lie down. Showtime Brad is done. I'm done. <clears throat> I think that's the I'm longest out. list you've ever read that didn't include Dave Boggy August. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe. Hmm. What was he doing? During that's a good question. Probably trying on swimwear. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that one. I like the fact that we now have a Mr. Whiskey and a Commander Bourbon. I, I hope the other dark liquors are soon represented by military rank. Sergeant Rye, perhaps. Rum punch. So anyway, let's spin the wheel and find out who wins the postal friendly bottle opener, shall we? I got nothing, Chuck. You're going to have to spin it. All right, here we go. Ready, oh, guys? That sounds good. <laughs> Big wheel. Let's keep on turning. Still going. Uh, looks like it's going to land on Jan Stuck in Lawrence, Kansas. Excellent. So uh, send us your postal address and we will send you some swaggerino. Oh, I don't know, because Brad's heading back to New York tomorrow. So yeah, I'm only there for a week, though. Okay. Ah, I just escaped. I literally just got back from New York yesterday. I'm not sure I'm going to escape from New York on a permanent basis anytime soon, but that's my problem. Should we call you Snake? <laughs> I've been called so much worse. <laughs> I can call you White Snake. Anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITDs.com. It's amazing how quickly this is coming back to me. Like if the whole show could just be like this, this would be fantastic. Uh, except for the fact that I haven't said the email address yet. Or did I just say it and I've already forgotten it? At SIT80s <laughs> at podcast.com. No, what? No. <laughs> I don't know. God, if you podcast, don't know the address. <laughs> podcast at SIT80s.com. There we go. I had the, the parts that are in the wrong order. I know. Uh, that's the story of my life. We'll be right back after this commercial break. There's lots of folks you shouldn't forget. When giving McDonald's gift certificates. The paper boy who delivers through thick and thin. And the lady who teaches your son violin. The barber who cuts your hair just right. The sitter who sat for you Saturday night. Say Merry Christmas with McDonald's gift certificates. Each costs 50 cents. And the book of 10 costs $5. Nobody can do it like McDonald's can. And we're back. We have a few minutes left. Um, as we teased you, yeah, we're going to do a show about the wedding. We're going to do a whole show about weddings in the 80s. We were going to do it as the first show, but then we thought, let's, let's get our feet wet with the uh, number two hits. Plus, it had been so ridiculously long since we did part one that we felt. Yeah. <sighs> if, if the podcast series about the songs from one year spans two years, we're not doing a good job. Yeah. Well, and I'm hoping, too, to get more of the photos in that we can share uh, yeah, when we we do that. So I know we handed out some app or we sent everyone a link to an app to download that was at the weddings that basically is supposed to capture photos that were taken during, you know, the hours of the yeah. wedding and rehearsal, wed, not, wed, wedding and reception. And I, we're still kind of badgering some people to do it so that we can, you know, see what photos they took. So <laughs> I know there's no punchline to that. That's just that is just where my life is right now. The, the punchline is probably that I didn't download it and I won't because I don't think you need access to my phone. Yes. I sent you all the photos that I took. 
You were very good in that. Um, I was compliant in another way. Yeah. Um, but so we have that coming up and what else do we have? Hopefully we're going to have a Pac-Man. Isn't it? You have a, yeah, I got to get that lined up. We have this Pac-Man book that honestly, if you're looking for a last minute gift idea or it's not even last minute yet, it's only the 12th. If you're uh-huh. looking for a gift idea, there's this Pac-Man coffee table book. That's amazing. There's so much stuff in it. And I need to line up a, an interview with the, yeah. the guys that put it together. Right. We're hoping we have a really amazing year this year. And um, again, thank you for all your patience as we took some prolonged time off for uh, the wedding and the uh, honeymoon and stuff like that. But I'm back in Florida now and she'll be here in a couple of days. I think we decided Mrs. Spearsy is just going to be her, ah, okay. her, her nickname, just cutting it in the future and making, turning her from future wife to wife just seems a little, <laughs> it's a little, it's a little terse. Yeah. I think so, we need like one modifier on that. Like maybe the lovely Mrs. Spearsy. Let's just hope she's the patient Mrs. Spearsy. <laughs> Because by the time uh, we get that wedding show out, we might be celebrating our first anniversary. She's made it this far. Yeah, I can't wait. She'll be here in four days. And so I have four days to get the Spears layer clean and prepped. Fresh smelling. Yes. And so that'll be fun. Uh, but in the meantime, Chuck, thank you so much for coming back and, and doing this. We still have a couple more years to, to do for the 80s. Are you game to come back and try those with us too? Oh, absolutely. If you'll have me, I appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe we'll actually finish them up before the cruise this year. Yeah, we only uh, have a few more to go. We got, what, 88 and 89, and then we're yeah, done. So that's yeah. four shows. That's, All we did was that. We might get those done. <laughs> that's true. It might That might take the whole time. In the meantime, Brad, Chuck, and myself, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening.